Hi, this is Buzz Burbank, and I never listen to None Taken. I, I kind of have a DAQ, uh, JAQ, that I think would lead into it well. Can I can I ask you one? Yeah, please. Okay, so um, this is a joke just for me, Alan, so I hope this works. Um, what do you call an 11th Dynasty Northern Egyptian ruler that has a penchant for writing campy yet terrifying horror novels? 11th Dynasty Northern Egyptian gives it away, Alan. It's going to be embarrassing. Not 11th century, 11th dynasty. We're talking like thousands of years BC. Um, Think of your northern West, Egyptian cities, Alan. West Craven. Um, oh, you are on the right. Okay. <laughs> you, you are. Okay. Do you want to take one more guess? Uh, shit. Campy yet, her- yet terrifying horror novels. Stephen King. Mm. Stephen King. Uh, yes, he's a it's an eleventh dynasty Northern Egyptian ruler. <laughs> so it ends with. I'm King. having trouble remembering my eleventh dynasty rulers. Well, think more about Egyptian geography and cities in Northern Egypt. Alan, it's Theban King. <laughs> the eleventh dynasty. Was I almost based out just of said Thebes. Yeah, you would have got. I it. almost just said Thebes. Uh, I was so close. I can't believe you almost got that. I was like, no one's going to get this. <laughs> I said it to Natasha, and she just literally rolled her eyes and didn't say anything. <laughs> Should we record? Yeah, one, two, three. That was fantastic. Oh, thank you. All right, you ready? I am ready. Are you recording? Yes. <laughs> All right, well, you want to start a show? Let's start a show. That podcast is filling your head with garbage. I no offense taken there. Well, it sounds like none taken. Welcome to None Taken. The internet's only debate and current events show with your hosts Dustin and Alan. Shout out to Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band for the use of their song Ways and Means for our intro music. Thank you for joining us. At the time of this recording, it is Tuesday, November 2nd, mm, yep, 2021. It's a great day for America because this is episode number 100. Woo! 100. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And Alan is in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are here, recapping another week of current events and sharing way too much of our tragic personal life. Please subscribe right now, wherever you're listening to this. Please leave us a five-star review. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. You can find None Taken on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, our Facebook None Taken Superfans group. Remember, first show is free. After that, show us some love on Venmo. We have such a great show for y'all this week. Buzz Burbank will be joining us shortly. But first, Alan, what is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Man, what a week it was. I, I got to be honest. Like, I, I think 
talking to Buzz Burbank for for a little while was the highlight of my week. Dude, I I just got my <laughs> hands started shaking after I said we talked to Buzz. That happened in the past, and I just got excited again. I know it was so cool. Like honestly, like I've had quite a week at work too. Just a lot going on. I had to take on quite a bit of extra responsibilities, and I was sitting on a conference call on Monday, and I was like, meh. I just talked to Buzz Burbank yesterday. (laughs) I spent most of Sunday saying that to Natasha. She's like, I get it. It's really cool. Like, you're not bugging me repeating yourself. Like, I get it. I'd be happy to. It was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you guys got to hear that in a little bit. Uh, so personal life, I didn't get up to a lot. I went to a, a new tap room. Not a new, new for me. It's been there for a while. I just haven't been there. Uh, it's in Albany, actually pretty close to the Ivy Room where I uh, met the the listener a few weeks ago, uh, Jerry. Um, and State yelling champ. State yelling champion, yeah. Uh, so it's like a block down right across the street from there. Anyways, uh, it was okay. It wasn't great, but it, I mean, the, I liked the ambiance inside. What was the place called? Albany Tap Room? Albany Tap Room. No, that's not Gabriel's, new, is it? No, it's not new. I just never been. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I wanted. I'm. I'm still trying to find a place that's close to me where I can get like a a nice burger and a beer, sit yeah. down kind of place. Yeah. And I haven't really found a place. What about really Hotsy Totsies? No burgers there. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have the food truck outside that has like uh, Mexican food, but no oh, burgers. okay, right, right, right. Yeah. So, anyways, I went. It was okay. Food was all right. Beer list was okay. I, I had a good hazy. It was from Del Cielo, but I hadn't had it before. Um, so that was cool. Not much to say about that. Uh-huh. I also on Monday, so remember I, I did that ACLU uh, like Zoom call a while ago. Yeah, a while ago. So I'm still on their list. I haven't really done anything else with them recently, but they had emailed me about a call on Monday evening and asked, and I kind of I'd saw it, I'd seen it, saw it, seen it. I, I had seen it, but I was kind of like, eh, I got a lot going on. Probably not going to bother. Uh-huh. And then one of the organizers texted me, and she was like, Hey, like, you know. We really would like to get some people on this thing. We, you know, can you can you come? And I was like, all right. I'll, Did you I'll tell them you're a niche internet celebrity? <laughs> do you, Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. Um, anyway, so I got on the call. It was about re- redistricting here in uh-huh. the Bay Area. You know, the census just happened, so they're redrawing all the maps, and just they want some input from the public on how we might best do that cool so we looked at maps and uh, talked oh. about it for like a good hour hour and a half was this stimulating you know what actually i was interested yeah I, um i don't think that there's like a huge difference to be made here in the bay Area right by these, yeah which by these maps. which form of liberalism would you like, <laughs> like we have a monoculture right. <laughs> i mean not entirely no like it's true that. there's marin well, this is specifically Oh, for, right. Now. Okay, right. Okay. So there's yeah, like there's five, di- yeah, there's what Walnut Creek and uh, San Ramon, and, uh-huh. and that whole Antioch, yeah. Pittsburgh area is, yeah. is definitely a little bit more conservative. Sure. Anyways, um, so yeah, it was cool. It was a fun conversation. There was only about thirty-five people on the call. Um, the last one I attended was like over, I think, four hundred. But anyways, so yeah, it was fun. I, I, I think that I is, will definitely, I will definitely participate more with them. I find the conversation stimulating and interesting. So. And it's probably um, rewarding to be involved in something like that, you know? Yeah, it's definitely. a lot better definitely. than just complaining on a podcast. Right, or just like watching the news by myself. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I spent my Monday night. That was about it. How about you, man? What'd you get up to? Um, we, Friday, I saw, I was I was working at, um, my first two calls were at Five Guys restaurants and like the same strip mall in both places. There was like Five Guys like a payday loan and a, uh, a GameStop. And the first one, I was like, man, all these people are lined up. And I was like, oh, well, it's Friday. It's probably like the last Friday of the month. Somebody got paid. They had to pay back the payday loan guys. They're all lined up. And I go to my next call, and it's the same thing. And I'm like, 
what the fuck's going on at GameStop? Apparently the PS5s, like there was like a small shipment that made it through. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, sort of a follow-up, I guess, on our supply chain issues. That was pretty funny. The guy, like after he got one of them, he went and hung out uh, outside, out in front of the um, the five guys I was working in. And me and the guys in the five guys are like, dude, come inside. Like, you just got something incredibly valuable. Like, someone's going to walk by and ask you what time it is, and they're going to jack you for your jack PS5. It, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> this guy gets into an Uber and puts it in the trunk. I'm like, are you, were you born yesterday? Like, <laughs> what the? Yeah. It was just whatever. Um, found out some cool stuff locally. Uh, Halloween, we went to, or was it the fr- Saturday of Halloween, we went to uh, the Jackalope Brewery, which is down the street. They had a a non-sexy Halloween costume contest, but they did have a category for sexiest couple or sexiest Halloween costume, which we won. Hell yeah. Couple of devils here. So (laughs) I saw the pics. So the prize for winning sexiest at the least sexiest Halloween costume is Mm -hmm. all the, is a bunch of like Halloween, what do you call that? Trick or treat gifts that you didn't, gifts? It was like raisins and dental floss. Cinnamon oh, dental floss, by the way. What the hell? Tri- Cinnamon dental tri- floss, <laughs> floss. Why are you not putting that between your teeth? It's like, yeah, I got a new one. Sriracha dental floss. <laughs> like, <I just laughs> that actually be. sounds better, maybe. Maybe. So it's like all the bad trick-or-treat right. handouts that nobody wants? Yeah, okay. um, like, like the, yeah, like the Mary Jane sticks that are like not the type that we like. Uh, <laughs> jazz cigarettes. That would be that'd be pretty dope. We went to Never Never afterwards, and we're like legit friends with our bartender there. We were supposed to hang out on Sunday, but Natasha drank too much Saturday night. No, it's okay. I don't blame her. These things happen. These things happen. Plus, it gave me time to talk to Buzz Burbank. This is true. The, so we found out. So while we're at the bar, um, so we didn't bring Petra with us. So we were inside of the bar, and while we're talking to Erica, the bartender, she's like. Um, Natasha mentioned that I do the podcast and like I never promote. I'm horrible at it in real life. Mm. And uh, and Erica's like, oh, no kidding. Did you see Theo Vaughn when he was in here? I'm like, what the fuck? She's like, yeah, he comes in all the time. He was just there like a minute ago. And like I played it back in my head. I was like, that was totally Theo Vaughn. I saw a guy with a weird poorly cut mullet. Like, so we go to the same bar. He lives in our neighborhood. Something's happening here. Just put a finger in that. We'll come back to it. Put a finger in it. Indeed. Yeah, Indeed. Uh, that's that's I, pretty cool, though, man. Yeah, I I similarly have like trouble promoting. I, I know it's our. I think it's our generation. Like like me and you. So I think you're slightly more into the Gen X category, yeah, and yeah. I'm like upper millennial, borderline Gen. All my influences were all Gen Xers, and we're right. just like if you if you if you try to promote yourself, you're a sellout. Like you know, it's just right. Brido talks about it on his show all the time. I'm like, I know, I can so relate, man. <laughs> Um, I, I have but, two. Th- oh, so yeah. I let my friends do it for me when, when we're out. Right. You know? no, that, that is cool. <laughs> yeah. we, I have two, um, two links here. I want you to open them up and read them in order. So the first one, uh, just highlight that one and open it. Go ahead and read that. Okay. So this is, this is our, uh, Instagram page yeah. and this is, so if they somehow extracted all, not a tax percentage, all of the Forbes listed billionaires in the U S that money could run the government for approximately six months. At the cost of almost all private innovation. Seems reasonable. And to Elon Musk's point, that means that when they're done, they'll slide down the income ladder till they reach all of your money too. Spending needs to change, not revenue tactics. What was the date there? October 26th. Okay, can you open up this next link? I can. <laughs> so essentially two days after what you posted on our Instagram, this is from Elon Musk. Who? 
Elon Musk. Oh, I've heard, heard of him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty famous dude. Uh, U.S. national debt is $28.9 billion or $229,000 per taxpayer. I think he means trillion, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, tax- it's 28. So he's doing that weird thing, that $28,900 billion. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. All right. $28,900 billion. Okay. Um, even taxing all billionaires at 100% would only make a small dent in that number. So obviously the rest must come from the general public. This is basic math. Spending is a real problem. So I assume what you are implying is that Elon Musk clearly read our Instagram. Page I know that that Instagram, uh, <laughs> that screenshot of the Instagram was a tweet as a reply to something he had said two days before that. He read my stuff and he re- he said it. Did, Dude, I, did, hey Elon Musk, welcome to the show. We appreciate you listening. Man. <laughs> That's cool. We're happy to have you here. I, I selectively audience. enjoy you at times, and then other times you're the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to None Taken. <laughs> it's kind of how we do it over yeah. here. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks. I just said thanks to you. <laughs> thanks for inviting me to the show, Alan. <laughs> um, about a week and a half ago, I put up a thing about a yard sign that I wanted to make that's sort of picking on the uh, in this house, you know. Yeah, uh, we do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I don't hate those for the record. I just wanted one that was more like what we do on None Taken. and. Right. I was presumptive that it would be something that you would be 100% on board with. Uh, however, you brought to my attention that you didn't necessarily like every line in there. And in a none taken manner, I think the best way to resolve that is you bring a couple of recommendations in here. Listeners, if you have any recommendations, shoot them at me. Next week, we'll do a draft of those between me and Alan. And, oh, cool. I like that. Yeah. So what, which ones would you... What Are there any that you'd prefer to add to that? I know you already recommended the Dave Chappelle is funny. That's my favorite. Uh, that is my Obviously, favorite I'm one, biased. too. Yeah. I, I like that one, too. I was like, damn, that doesn't fit. But you know what? Fuck, dude. That works. Like, <laughs> No, I mean, so I, I wasn't like... In true non-taken fashion, I didn't like agree with all the things on the sign, but I thought it was funny. I just noticed like how much interaction it got, and I was just thinking about what we talked about so many times on the show of, of how social media works and that appealing to sort of like more extreme things tends to get more interaction. And I was like, man, are we just are we just part of that cycle? And so, I, and I don't know that that's. You know, I, I know it wasn't necessarily your intent or anything, but it just... Uh, that just like hell it wasn't. <laughs> Want to get reshares, okay. get people to see this podcast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So maybe it was. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, we talk about that and like, man, how that's like, you know, not great for society. Uh, and that, you know, and still we're... You know, well, I still believed of, in the things I said, mostly. No, I know that <laughs> I said mostly. I'm aware of that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I believe like, in that the ATF one a lot. You know what? I would agree with the criminal gang or you said the government's a mafia. State is a mafia or the government's a mafia. Yeah, I could I could get rid of that one. Yeah, the gun control one. eh, You know, like I think I explained my sort of position on gun control. I've had many times on the show, but um, anyways, well, yeah, yeah, I'll probably draft the gun control one before you can say not to. So we'll do a draft (laughs) next week. If you come up with any in the meantime, uh, we'll put them in there. And, and listeners, listeners contr- please. Yeah, since Alan's not participating, so I w- okay. Fuck you. All right, I'll give you a week. It was only on the show sheet half the week. I mean, I know right. none taken. Not, oh, good. Glad. I hope I didn't offend you. No, 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 no. Okay, I, I, you're not the first person to tell me fuck you today. So it's fine. I wasn't mad at them either. Hey, um, before we do what we normally do, which is get yes. into our little sounds, um, let's, let's do one big sound, which will be our interview hangout with Buzz Burbank. Uh, but before we do, it shocks me that there's listeners that may not know who he is. 
but I suppose it would be important to make sure everybody's on the same page as we go into this. So do you want to talk about why it was so important that we had him of all people on for our hundredth episode? Yeah, I think I, I kind of do explain a little bit of it in the interview itself, but Buzz Burbank has been on on the radio or in podcasts at this point for, I want to say maybe four decades. Um, he has just the quickest wit, uh, his, his ability to, to dude, five um, decades. Cause we're in the fifth. So it's oh, like wow. that Rolling okay. Stones thing where it's like, they've been a band for 70 years. Hold on. It's like, or seven decades. And you're like, well, if you count all of them, sure. But that's right. like barely one in one. And then, okay. Sorry. Five decades. Uh, he was on a nationally syndicated show, the Don and Mike show, which we, you know, one of the things that we sort of first had in common, I think when we met yeah. a couple decades ago was that we both liked that show. And of course he was a main feature on that show he was a third mic as well as the newsman um and we've both of us have just listened to him for decades at this point he, he's been the trusted source of news for us like on because yes. because radio so intimate it, it at, on a personal level he's been a, a trusted source of news for us right. uh and and you know outside of that i mean it's just i mean he's a voice we've grown up being entertained by because he's funny yeah, too he's funny as hell and he always got the joke yeah like you know there are a lot of you know sort of stuff shirt sort of guys yeah who read the news yes but, yeah but but not like him right uh, you know he gets it dude uh, what he did doesn't exist anymore it kind of like, does because he, he's not like the guy that would come on on npr and read the news he was the news guy on either a morning show or, right. you know, but, but but not like the news guy off in the corner. Like he was interacting with the two yeah. other co-hosts and like that, that's just a, those, those shows are gone. And like, if they still exist, they don't have a news guy, you know? Definitely um, not. He, and he rode that all the way to the end. He's like, no, I've got plenty of altitude. I'm just going to coast this place <laughs> to re- plane into retirement. Yeah. Just real quick. It's just like, he's been such a huge influence on us, a, a basically a, a radio or a broadcasting hero of both of ours. And, you know, I think we held it together pretty well during the interview, but we were both kind of geeking out a little bit. So maybe you guys can hear that in the, in the interview. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. Do you say we just get right into it? Let's go. All right. Perfect. Test one, two. Can you hear me? I can hear oh, you. Yeah. Great. You sound awesome. Hearing you. Hang on just a second. Okay. Ah. Hello. Now. Hello. I mean, so I he's... don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I haven't used this very much. Uh, let's try Very this. good. How's hey, that? Can you, can you hear, hear us? us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. When you say Buzz Burbank, you've said it all. It's nice. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Buzz Burbank, the man, the myth, the legend, newsman from San Diego to Chicago to D.C., formerly of the Don and Mike show, the Mike O'Meara right. show. Of course, right. Buzz Burbank's news and comment, mm-hmm. currently appearing weekly on the Bob Seska show over on right. the Sexy Liberals Network. Uh-huh. We are so happy to have you. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here, uh, Dustin and Alan. Both thanks for inviting me, and congratulations on your uh, 100th show. It's very nice of you to invite me for your 100th show, and uh, just you know, just let me know where to send the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you, sir. That's awesome. <laughs> Now, before I guess we get too much further into this, um, yes. we, we will discuss it before we get into the show, a bit of an intro on you, but um, just for formality's sake here, uh, Buzz, Michael, Mike, what are your oh, pronouns? Yeah, just call me Buzz. We can do this, Buzz. For, for our purposes here. So, Buzz, I got to tell you, sir, that uh, so Dustin and I have been friends for nearly two decades at this point, and one of the right. things that we sort of 
um, had in common when we first met was listening to Don and Mike show back in the day. So, right, right. so he and I have basically been listening to you on, on some, you know, medium for two decades at this point, yeah, which yeah. is, so you're, you're kind of a broadcasting hero, I think for both of us, uh, who, who are some of your broadcasting heroes? Oh man. Uh, it, it depends on, you know, it, from an entertainment standpoint, I think probably David Letterman yes. uh, oh, yeah. from, from a news standpoint, uh, Gosh, I, I go back to the old guys. I like Harry Reasoner a lot. I like David Brinkley a lot. Oh, yeah. uh, currently, Rachel Maddow. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it's it's just been a while. I think since we've had somebody that good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think you've always been known as sort of like a very pragmatic, sort of uh, very compelling sort of voice of reason. I think for news. Ah, thank uh, you. And you know, it kind of feels like. You know, you talked about some of the, the older news people, even people like, you know, Dan Rather, your Tom Brokaw, that had mm -hmm. sort of that authoritative voice that seemed to come from the center. Uh, that, that sort of seems gone now. Do you, what do you what do you think of the state of news currently? Oh, it's a it's a mess. And I'm very saddened by it. Uh, I have been a staunch defender of the media. And I will tell everyone again right now that if the free press, as we know, it goes away, you will be sorry. So. It is right to criticize, especially the garbage we're seeing now. Uh, but uh, d be careful in your zeal not to destroy the free press, because in the end, it is your ally, even if it does a lot of dumb stuff and greedy stuff in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think 24-7 cable news has done more. Uh, in damage than than almost anything else uh, uh, to our public discourse as well as to news, uh, not just the twenty four seven news channels, but then that was followed by uh, social media, mm -hmm. and between those two, <laughs> more evil than blessing, uh, we we are where we are today, and uh, there are so many sources, and and because of a lack of education in this country, a uh, lack of adequate education. Uh, people don't know how to process information or think critically. I, I always came to you for my news, despite we, we have slightly different political outlooks because your politics align with my morals. And that way it's like, it, it wasn't about, like, I never had to worry about bias because it was about trust. Is that what's missing in, in modern media? Do you think the trust? trust? Yeah. Trusted news sources. Yeah, and I've always thought that trust doesn't come from the authoritative voice or although you do uh, have you that know, from uh, the big institution. It, it comes from calling things as they are. Mm -hmm. That's how you get respect, I think. Uh, be honest, uh, and and we're, we're there's a great lack of that in the media right now. It's not that they're dishonest; it's that they're focused on the wrong things, and and they are still uh, many in the the mass media are still married to the idea that, oh, we have to be fair. We have to give both sides. Well, when one side says the sky is blue and the other says the sky is green, there are not two sides mm -hmm. to that story. There's only one side to that story, and the other needs to be reported, if reported at all, as a fantasy. And, and like you said, I mean, you know, when, when you don't have that free and fair uh, uh, media, um, gosh, reporting, right? Independent right. Uh, reporting and people you can trust, it's directly tied to the state of our democracy. You know, I've heard you make that connection since your retirement and your, 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 your visits on to, um, on to Bob's show. Yeah, the, I'd say a through line through those visits is, you know, we are at the, uh, a precipice on the fate of our democracy. I, I feel absolutely true. Uh, absolutely true. It's far more in danger. And you and I and 
and, and many of our listeners know that. Bob knows that. A lot of the people I work with know that. A lot of the people in my life know that. But so many people don't realize where we are. They don't. They've tuned out the news. They're not listening. They're not paying attention. Uh, what little they get is uh, both sides of them. You know, for all the great priceless reporting that has been done by the New York Times and the Washington Post, they turn right around and both sides things mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in their papers. And, and all of the media is doing that. And your nightly newscasts are not even covering this threat to democracy right now. Um, so many Americans are unaware. You and I know the danger. We know we're on the edge of losing democracy. And it's true. It's not hyperbole to say that. Um, but so many Americans don't know, don't care, don't want to know or write it off as politics or write it off as at ah, they're both bad. Both Democrats and Republicans, all sides are bad. Well, because that's there's just an yeah. easy way to abdicate yourself of any responsibility. Well, right. yeah, you know, by saying, well, they're bad and they're bad. So I'm out. Right. Well, if you're out, you're not in. And if you're not in, you're not part of this democracy. Right. I mean, I guess the, the line is that you never know the last time you voted in a free and fair election until it's the last time you voted in a free and fair election. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So it, it, it is uh, sort of a scary place to be on this precipice right now. What what do you think can be done uh, to to counteract this. I mean, I think social media is is a huge issue. You already brought that up, but I think between that and then just the siloing of our information streams. Um, yeah, yeah. Are there levers that can regulating be Regulating social media, regulating outlets like Fox News, right. that you simply should not be allowed to broadcast information that endangers the public health and safety. And Fox does that every single day. That's like saying it's okay to yell fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire. It's not okay. It's a crime. And it's just as much of a crime when Fox does it as when the guy in the theater does it. Um, you know, that, that we, that's, that's one thing. I, I mean, we need to, it needs to be regulated, uh, these cable channels, in much the same way that we, we regulate broadcast uh, material. Uh, cable material should be regulated the same way. And I, you know, we're, I think we're at the point where social media needs to be regulated as a public utility, uh, because clearly if in the f- case of Facebook alone, things have spun out of control there as well. So what we have is a news media that's spun out of control and a, and a social media that's spun out of control. And we need to rein those in long term. Those are the things I think we can do near term, long term, uh, education. We have failed to teach people government, civics, mm-hmm. your responsibility as a citizen. You know, what's expected of you? Yeah, you have rights, but those come with responsibilities. We need to be teaching that. We need to be teaching critical thinking. Uh, it's going to take generations for any improvement in that education to have an effect. And unfortunately, we're saddled with a nation in which 36% are, are you know, are poorly educated or miseducated. And uh, you can't undo that. It's it's hard to it's hard to tell an adult, no, everything, you know, is wrong. Right. They, they won't hear yeah. it. You can't you won't succeed. Yeah. Civics. That's funny. You say civics. I mean, I I don't know why it comes back to me so easily, but I know for a fact civics was taught the second semester of my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's literally as you're walking out the door. Oh, and here's how government that, works. Yeah, and after that and, and as schools and educational systems, the school boards and such became so focused on uh the test scores mm-hmm. um you know meeting the test scores in math and science you know and, and those are all vital i mean those are all really really important 
But if you drop the ball on teaching government and education, how government works, many of the people protesting don't even know how government works. Right. They don't they don't know they're they're operating out of a position of ignorance. And that's our fault uh, as a people uh, over time for failing them in education. And now we're paying the price for that failure. So long term, I think, you know, in the short term, social media and uh, public media can be regulated and should be. Uh, but, uh, you know, long term, I think education is the answer. When, yeah, when we, we need to start that yesterday. When you talk about like the two parties and people sort of being checked out, you know, there's there's a sort of a line of thinking that Republicans are the party of no and the Democrats are the party of, well, we tried, but they wouldn't let us. And the cynic says they play those roles for each other to keep the status quo. What is there a theory that combats that thinking? Like, I'm sure this isn't the first time I, you've I, thought I don't, that. I don't buy into that. Yeah. I, you know, the Democrats say they can't do it because they can't do it. And what we forget, and and uh, for all our anger directed at uh, Senators Manchin and Cinema, we should be focusing most of our anger on the Republicans in the Senate and the Republicans in the House, they are the ones who are truly standing away. If we could just get a few of them, yeah, three or four of them, to sign on to something reasonable, say, oh, the Democrats have the majority, you have control of the government, why, why haven't you done all this stuff? Because they can't. Yeah. Because they don't have enough of a majority. Because we didn't vote hard enough. Because people don't vote down ballot when they vote. Uh, and for a lot of other reasons, there's something to be said about that, right? Like, because it would be normal for some Republicans to vote for some of these Democratic ideas, and then some of the Democrats to just not be on board 100% too. But you get enough of an amalgam between the right. two that it would have passed. Yeah, there was a time. Yeah, there was a time where that was possible. And now it's just obstruct, 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 make the other guys fail. Repub the Republican Party has the Republican Party has always been the party of the rich. Now, how did they get all those rednecks to march on the Capitol? <laughs> By talking about things like guns and abortion. The rich people got the poor people on board with them so that they would have the votes to get power. Mm -hmm. Because that's all the rich Republicans want is power. And they don't care how they get it. Mm -hmm. And they started by exploiting the poor and the ignorant with issues like religion and guns and abortion. That's how you get poor, dumb people to follow rich, evil people. And that's what the Republican Party is today. It's evolved. Beyond, it's, it's been that for a long time. It's evolved beyond that now to a party of cruelty and bullying and childishness. And uh, they're, you know, the Democrats have done X and X and X and X and X. You look at all the things the Democrats in the House have accomplished, all the things they've passed. They've gotten them done. Democrats have gotten it done in the house where they have a majority it's slim but they have a good majority there and they've gotten stuff done they push it over to the senate where it dies mm -hmm. because of 50 stubborn bully senators who are republicans and and two democrats we're still trying to figure out <laughs> um and and as far as I, I, let me address joe manchin if i may for just a minute of course because a lot of people say well, let's get him out of office let's primary him out of there if joe manchin loses that seat in west virginia that seat goes republican i guarantee it i promise you that's what will happen so we'll actually lose a seat if we campaign against joe manchin what we have to do is elect more democrats so that joe manchin's opinion doesn't matter anymore yeah, I think that's reasonable. And same, and I don't know that cinema is much different too. I mean, Arizona is not blue; it's purple. You know, it's 
wants to be read. And cinema and might be a little different. I don't know, but yeah. don't don't you think that you mentioned that the republic not a single Republican is willing to sign on to any of these things that the Democrats right. are, are trying to push through? Don't right. you think that there's like they don't seem to be held accountable for for saying no to those things? Like like why why isn't somebody saying hey? You, you realize that your senator is saying no to all of these programs that are going to be really good for you. They, they don't seem to take any flack at all for, for holding that position. I have to blame the news media for that, first and foremost, by, by both sides in it, by, by talking about what the grievances of the right are when the right is the minority. We're not really interested in that right now. You know, we're, we're, we're interested in what the majority has to say. So uh, that's part of it. Uh, and Democrats, frankly... If they have a weak area, it's probably messaging. Uh, the, you have to give the Republicans points on um, <laughs> on on their unity, on the fact that they they they're all on the same page all the time, and uh, and and for their uh, messaging, uh, they keep it simple, they keep it short, uh, they they go right for the gut or the heart uh, with with their catchphrases. Uh, we are not as effective at that, despite the fact that the Democratic Party is made up of all the creative people. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it is strange, isn't it? So, somewhat yeah. ironic. Um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about ignorant people doing ignorant things. Let's talk about January 6th. Uh, and, you know, we, we talk about being on this precipice of, of democracy here. And I think January 6th is like exhibit A to, to what we're, we're kind of looking at. Mm. Um, I know you, you were interested in that Rolling Stone article that came out last yeah, week. Yeah, I yeah I heard you guys talk about it. So I wouldn't even have heard about this Rolling Stone article, and I pay attention to the news, if I hadn't listened to you and Bob talk about it. It's crazy. It, I didn't hear it anywhere else. So so just to recap it a little bit, and if you don't mind, we can sort of dive into that a little. Absolutely. Okay, so two sources that uh, have talked to the select committee informally, but they expect to have public testimony. They're calling them the organizer and the planner. There's a third unspecified source that hasn't talked to the committee. And from this, there was a list of seven names. Uh, I've got them here. We can get into them in a second. But it's the seven names and their staffs. Um, yes. Well, you know, okay. It's Paul, Go Paul Gozer, Lauren Boebert, Mo Brooks, Madison Cawthorn, Andy Biggs, and Louis Gohmert. The Sedition Seven. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you know what? I appreciate you doing that. I think that if there's one thing that we learned from Trump is these stupid, stupid, silly little catchphrases like that really do work. You know, you know, Buzz, I got to give you a lot of credit on this show. Anytime I talk about Ron Johnson, what do you think I say? Wisconsin's Ron, yes, Johnson, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin either way, or Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Yeah, either and, way, you can say it either way and it works. And you did that. And I appreciate that. You know, memes matter. And we've kind of learned that, you know, let's take some yeah. lessons from from what they've done. So, yeah, the Sedition Seven. Um, there's there's talk that the two planners were expecting to get a blanket pardon from Paul Gozer. Um, the committee right. seems to be focused on the ellipse rally and the fi and who, what financed that more than anything. At least that's what's coming out from these sources. Um, you know, let's get into a little bit more. There's the whole Ali Alexander side of it, what that event was supposed to be, according to these sources. Um, but, but why do you think they haven't been subpoenaed yet? I, why, how, how are they talking to Rolling Stone and getting all this information I, there? It I, sounds, you know, there are two possible reasons they haven't been subpoenaed yet. And I don't want to talk about one of those possible reasons okay. because that would be a horrible thing if it were true. What I will say is if you're a prosecutor, whether you're in Congress or in a prosecutor's office and you're building a case, you want that case to be so airtight. There is no way they can squeeze out of it. 
you want to make sure you've gotten them on everything you can get them on. You want to you want to make sure you've got a solid case that will pass a jury. Right. That 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 will ir, irrefutable case. Uh, and to do that, you hold your cards close to your chest. You stay quiet. You don't show your cards until you're ready to make your move. I hope and I think that's what's happening. I, I think that was what we saw with Mueller. Uh, he was attempting to do that. And that, uh, unfortunately, we had Barr super, supervising him that poked holes in all of his attempts to do that. And then slowly things leaked. And, you know, when you give Trump any information, he can put that out as disinformation to discredit it. And by the time the full picture is painted, you can't see it because there's too much signal in the no or what noise to the signal. Mueller could have been more aggressive. Uh, I, I think he was a good man. A lot of people who have worked closely with him or friends and allies of him say he was really past his prime mm. when he got this job mm. and he wasn't at his best. Uh, and I think he was too careful and too cautious. And I think he failed to realize the eminent threat to democracy that so many of us see now. Not enough of us, but many of us see mm. it. We talked a little bit about the uh, the offer of pardon there by by Gozar. That seems to just be like a, a carrot that was never actually there, right? Oh no, yeah. In fact, uh, one of the reasons that uh, these folks in the Rolling Stone article agreed to talk to Rolling Stone and the January sixth committee is because they felt betrayed by Trump. Right. They were promised pardons. They were promised he would march over with them to the to the Capitol. Uh, he hasn't lived up to any of the things they promised him, and they're seeing that now. Uh, they still are uh, ignorant and and uh, blind in their belief that uh, Trump did win the election. They still believe that yeah. they're just mad at him because he didn't live up to his promises. So, you know, it's not like we've won them over. We haven't. Um, and they are would to be considered hostile witnesses, but they are witnesses. And uh, there, I, there are a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, Trump's already faced, I think, has already done two depositions so far and mm -hmm. faces a dozen other lawsuits on top of that. There are a number of criminal investigations into Donald Trump the most serious of which is the one out of Georgia, the attempted election tampering there. With Raffles, Raffles we, we We really could be talking about jail time for this guy. It's entirely possible that although he would be uh, the obvious Republican nominee for 2024, I contend he might not be available. Yeah. He's going to be tied up in court or he'll be in jail or he'll be broke, uh, although he's doing a, an incredible job of raising money in, yeah. in the meantime. Uh, and that's what most of his claims are about. I, I just I don't see it. I don't see him running again in 24. But, um, you know, that's that's what this is all about. I, I am very hopeful about uh, the things that are happening. Uh, and I see a lot of reason to believe that uh, uh, people are going to be uh, taken to task. I know the January 6th committee is not at all afraid to look at Donald Trump as uh, an instigator. Of, of what happened on January 6th. Yeah, Gosar was talking out of his ass when he talked about offering a pardon. Uh, right. He had no authority to do that, but the dumb people he was talking to believed him. Um, and uh, he, he is an ally of Donald Trump. And whether or not there was any prior coordination or whether Gosar had been told by Trump officials that uh, he could offer a pardon, uh, we, we don't know yet, but we'll get to the bottom of that. One of the most delightful things that's happened recently and the most encouraging, I think, is this latest development that is Trump has demanded that the National Archives withhold 700 of his documents from the January 6th committee. By making that specific list, 
He's told the January 6th committee exactly where to look. It's like a teenager saying, okay, you can search my room. Just don't look in the first and third bureau drawers. Otherwise, stay out of the sock drawer. We all know stay out yeah. of the sock drawer. Yeah. Uh, wow. You know, so uh, that's hilarious that yeah. he's given us a list of exactly what he's hidden and where he's hidden it. Uh, and th that will bite him in the ass as well. What do you think that the pardon was for? Because the pardon was for an ongoing unrelated investigation. And I think it was being offered for whatever criminal charges you might face uh -huh. as a result of what you're about to do. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think uh, it was that. Hence the blanket. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Blank, blanket pardons are 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 not soft. They're scratchy and they're not comfortable at all. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So something else that and it's an admission of guilt. Yes. Something else that I really attribute to you publicizing, um, at least being on my radar, is the Eastman memo. Um, uh, but there's been some updates to that recently, uh, especially, I don't know, over the last week, or I, I've seen it a lot over the weekend, too. Uh, the communication between um, a, a guy named Jacob and I think it was Pence's staff, you know, asking for Eastman. They were communicating with Eastman during the uh, insurrection. And Eastman said something back to him. The siege is because you and your boss did not do what was necessary to allow this to be aired in a public way so the American people can see for themselves what happened, you know, while they're being bombarded and uh, under assault, really. That the, the thing that scares me is this brings to light that Pence's refusal was important to, to you know, because he talked to Dan Quayle and he decided not to do this. But right. what was what was really what it really hinged on was that if a governor or state legislators would have actually chosen to decertify, it doesn't sound like they would have had a contingency plan to get around that. We got lucky about the way our institutions held, but it wasn't necessarily that Pence, uh, you know, found his spine. It, I don't know if he it wouldn't have mattered what his spine was like if a single governor or legislature decertified their state's results. And that could have happened, right? It could have. Um, Pence really wanted to do this. He really wanted to help uh, with uh, keeping Donald Trump in office. And uh, he talked about it with a number of people. Uh, I think the last person he talked to was Dan Quayle, who said, no, you, you, man, you can't do that. You just can't do that. Uh, and, and it was that that convinced uh, Pence that he, that he couldn't, and, and so he didn't. Uh, it was the right decision, and we did get lucky. But what you just spoke of there, while we're sitting here talking, Republicans across the country are replacing our election officials with their own. Mm -hmm. uh, people who believe the big lie are now going to be making decisions about our elections in the future. Republican legislatures are more inclined in the future to decertify elections. Um, you know, I, I, I hope I hope that uh, Democrats turning out in overwhelming numbers keeps Republicans from being able to do what they're setting themselves up to do here. Um, they're they're kind of like the uh, the bully and uh, the little rascals where one of them gets down on his hands and knees and yeah. butch pushes the, one yeah. of the little rascals over. <laughs> yeah, the Republicans are setting that up right now uh, to overturn our elections, to end our democracy. And uh, be very fearful of that. Uh, there will be uh, state and local elections in various places around the country on Tuesday of this coming week, of this week, uh, not the least of which in importance is the Virginia governor's race. Uh, but we, I, I worry, I hope that Democrats turning out in overwhelming numbers is enough to overcome the voter suppression the gerrymandering and uh, the the changing of election officials 
to believers in the big lie. Uh, this uh, this is a lot for us to overcome. Well, that's why why HR one was so important, right? But unfortunately, you know, the House passed it, and again, it died in the Senate. Um, I just want to go back real quick to that Eastman uh, memo. Yes, yes, please. That, yeah. that, so that he actually sent that via email during the the, the, the Capitol riots, which right. doesn't seem like the most the, the fastest form of communication. But, but so that's kind of funny. Also, it, it very much reminds me of the phone call between Kevin McCarthy and Trump, where Trump mm-hmm. said, "Well, you know, I guess they care more about the election than you do, right?" Yeah. Like it's yeah. it it's that same. Uh, it blows my mind. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so speaking of the elections coming up this week, do you have a prediction for Virginia? Oh, I don't. I wouldn't. I'm. I'm afraid. I mean, I. Okay, I'll make one. I'll say McCall. <laughs> I'll say McAuliffe will win. Okay. Uh, uh, I am shocked at how close the polls say the race is. Mm-hmm. It might not be. It might be that McAuliffe wins by a substantial margin on Tuesday, or maybe the polls are right and it will be close. I don't know, uh, but I know that the lines have been long for voting in Virginia. People are turning out in big numbers. Uh, I would assume, uh, based on my life in Northern Virginia, that uh, certainly uh, that part of the state will uh, not go for Glenn Trumpkin, but will <laughs> go again instead with Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. Do you? It's kind of a breaking news thing over the weekend. There's uh, claims of ISIS uh, threatening oh. shopping malls in Virginia. I, I've already heard rumors on the other side of the spectrum saying that that's being manipulated for uh, the election to, you know, instigate. Uh, well, we, we should always be careful, but uh, I do believe that police, uh, some police, some law enforcement officials who are pro-Trump uh, put out this warning that they've had credible ISIS threats against shopping malls in northern Virginia ahead of the uh, ahead of the election. Uh, it, it seems to a lot of us, and we don't know this to be true, but it seems to a lot of us like that's a voter suppression tactic. Mm-hmm. That's a, try to, a way to try to scare people into staying home. If I know today's Democrat, I don't think they're going to let that stop them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Especially in a race that important. Yeah. I think the people there definitely understand hey, what's hey, on the line. As long as we're in the realm of conspiracies and bombs, um, <laughs> you brought up something pretty interesting recently about sort of like a, a Bigfoot type video comparing the gate of Marjorie Taylor Greene and the person that planted the bomb at the at the DNC on January 6th. Well, I, I would like to uh, I would like to take issue with the, the uh, Bigfoot character <laughs> because because uh, there is a, a law enforcement science. There is a forensic mm-hmm. science in studying the gate yeah, of, of suspects. And in this case, the shoes are the same. The walk is the same. The, the the hand chosen to carry an object is the same. The arms swing the same way. The height and build are the same. Uh, is it her? Is it not her? I don't know. But but law enforcement has the ability to figure that out or narrow it down. Yeah. And it's fascinating. If you study the maps, uh, because the security video and law enforcement have been able to put together a map of the walking route that the bomber took. Mm-hmm. They went first to the DNC and circled it in uh, a wider area, uh, gradually closing in as they continued to circle, as if they were unfamiliar with the building. Uh, And then they placed the bomb at the building, and then they walked around some more and walked over to the RNC, 
But they didn't leave the bomb at the RNC, as you have heard. They left it behind a restaurant next uh, to the RNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, so there, you know, and, but neither, neither bomb was viable. Neither bomb would have gone off. Uh, but but placing them is an right. act of terror. Yeah. And uh, it, it seems the second was placed almost as an afterthought to make it look right. fair. Yeah. Both sides. And, and almost maybe, as if they were maybe familiar. somebody in the news media planted it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You know, just to be fair. Right. right. Just to be right. Fair. Right. fair and balanced. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. I, I, I hate to just end this time, but it, it, it can't go on forever. This has been <laughs> such a treat, Buzz. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I, I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, you're going to need it. <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough business, uh, but uh, but I but I think you're up to the task, and and I wish you the best of luck with it. And I think, uh, Dustin, with that microphone, you're, you're destined to go far. <laughs> Thank you so much for the recommendation. Hey, can I, I Alan, I definitely, I want to let you have the last word, if that's okay. But can yeah. I, um, I just want to say, Buzz, I know you're not a big sports guy, uh, but I would say you, and you have to know this, you, you are like that football coach with all his coaching descendants. Um, and, you know, maybe most notably being Bob Seska, uh, but you know, our little show is out here chugging along in the same way. And maybe if you'd rather, um, a, another analogy, you'd probably would cringe with, uh, disciples, disciples, <laughs> uh, man, Buzz, it's been a, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, we'll have to do it again when we hit 200. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wish you I wish you the best of luck with that. Well, Dustin's got the microphone for it, so you're good to go. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Have a All enjoy right. the rest of your Sunday. Take care. Have All a right, fall. T- All right, bye. cheers. Dude, is he still we there? just did that. Is he gone? Yeah, he's gone. Holy shit, man. Oh wow. <laughs> Woo. Hey, that went great. That went awesome, dude. That went really did we miss anything? No, I don't think so. I think so. we got everything we wanted to and then yeah. some. Yeah, that was fan fucking tastic. Oh. All right, dude. Just, that was holy shit. Yeah, I'm like floating right now. Yeah, I'm gonna go towel off. <laughs> Same. All right, dude. All right, I'll bet. see you Tuesday. See you Tuesday. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Tuesday, Alan. Welcome to Tuesday. Oh man, I'm I'm like all like high again just hearing the end of that. You know, I did ask him to make a prediction about the election today, the Virginia governor's election. Uh-huh. He sort of reluctantly agreed to. I think he'd prefer not to do that sort uh-huh. of thing, uh, especially because this is coming out the day after. It's coming, yeah. Right, right. But uh, so actually, right now it looks like uh, Yunkin is going to take it. He's a uh, couple hundred thousand votes ahead. Oh wow! Nobody's calling it yet. But so I guess there's a lot of district still open mm, unreported it's like yeah i think it's like 65 percent in uh, but it it seems pretty likely that Yunkin's going to take it even when i prior to uh, uh turning the mics on i was actually listening to some of the talking heads and none of them seem very optimistic that uh that mcauliffe was going to win so. so what does that mean for virginia like are they still going to have a democratic legislator so it's probably going to be like it's not like they're gonna put a bunch of like uh constitutional carry not that i care or uh abortion bans through like they're yeah no there's still there's still a democratic majority in the house so it's Senate, not like things which... are gonna end up on his desk outside of his own proclamations kind of right right so yeah it's not like he's just gonna have the whole but as a bellwether or as a <clears throat> what foreshadowing for 2024 it is encouraging for the red hats yeah not not just 2024 but 2022 as well yep yep 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it definitely and it's it doesn't seem to be close. I mean, 200,000 votes is pretty sizable if that holds. Yeah. Wow. Um yeah, I mean I it's unrelated, but I mean I keep hearing polls where you know, it's it's not like a continuing trend yet, but Americans seem to be unhappy with what they're getting from government and now asking for less back. So they're kind of less on board with everything, honestly, that's on this infrastructure bill. How, how did mean, we get out of the interview and get this into other shit so so quickly? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. But I was going to say, yeah, I mean, Biden's approval ratings are, are kind of in the toilet. So he wasn't a lot of help. Uh, yeah, well, neither was Manchin. As soon as Biden left the country, he was like, yeah, all that shit we agreed on Friday, I don't mean. Like, he literally right. said, I agree on Friday. Come Monday, he's like, oh, I, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, that didn't help either because McAuliffe didn't have anything to point to and say, look, this is what, you know. My and Biden didn't have anything to point to at the in, climate change. In Glasgow. What That's a same. waste of fucking time. Like, just. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, what a disappointment, it's... right? Like, not. I'm not saying the Democrats. I'm saying, like, just. This is what we get from government. Like it's, and, but I mean, Buzz covered it, right? It's our education. It's um, it's everything that's led to this being the current moment, and climate. Yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of the alternative facts, you know, post alternative facts history what we're, that we're living through, um, is definitely, you know, I mean, in this particular race in, in Virginia, you know, he was all. We'll get into it later, but. He was all about the whole, you know, I'm not going to let the schools teach critical race theory. In oh, Virginia, no, that's where they... we're at. We're getting into it. Let's okay. get into our sounds. Let's do it. Do, do you right. want to do a JQ before sounds? <clears throat> yeah, let's. And just asking questions, Alan. Just just asking questions. Uh, you know what? This is a perfect time for this. Hey, if rhino is a word, what's rhino mean? Republican in name only. Shouldn't dino be a word? Especially with mansion existing. Also, also Democrat. Democrat in name only. It's especially um, like appropriate for mansion because he's so attached to fossil fuels and dino. <laughs> it's a double entendre. It is a, it. It's a double entendre. What's the uh, double? Uh, uh, it's an innuendo. It's your innuendo. Innu, innuendo. How, I don't, no? I don't think that's how that word's supposed to be spelled. No. Okay. Oh, you can see right through my ruse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I know you don't like ruses. Let's get into our little sounds. So, speaking of the election in uh, in Virginia, this mm-hmm. was uh, this was a gem. This looks like a Daily Show sketch, but um, it's not. Though. It's not. No, this is like real life. So, this is a man on the street interview. Uh, looks like in a place where you park the gar- the cars on grass. So. I'm guessing a sporting event of some kind. And I think it was at a polling location. Okay. Well, that's weird. I they think. park their cars like that. But yeah, the I'm obsessed with them parked on the lawn. <laughs> the, 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 so you're asking a gentleman with a, he's a veteran hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Older he, gentleman. Yes. 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 What he, uh, what's the most important issue to him? And I'll let him speak for himself. What's the most important issue in the governor's race here in Virginia? Getting back to the basics of teaching children, not teaching them critical race theory. And, uh, and, and what is critical race theory? Well, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it because I don't understand it that much. But it's something that I don't, the, what little bit that I know I don't care for. And, and what have you heard that, that you don't, well, that you I'm don't not, like? Well, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I don't... Uh, I don't, I don't have that much knowledge on it, but okay. it's something that I'm not, that I don't care for. Doesn't that summarize just that way of thinking? 
Yeah. Uh, so, so what's the most important issue? Uh, critical race theory being taught in schools. Oh, what let's talk it? about that since it's important to you. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't want to have to. I can't like hold a conversation on it, but it really matters to me. Like this right. is, like this, this, I mean, this has just been the pattern, right? It's just hijack something that doesn't, it's not particularly important because it's not important to the politicians either, right? They just know yeah. that if they say it, you'll vote for them. So, right. like, for example, what's Youngkin's stance on, on schools, on, pub, on school choice? What, what's Youngkin, since Youngkin made this whole race about what, uh, what's the other guy's name? McC- uh, McAuliffe. Said about schools. What's Youngkin's yeah. stance on schools? <laughs> he also believes in school choice, but like. Okay. But, oh, oh, so is he, is he a big school choice? Is that part of his platform? Like, does he no. really push school choice or just does he believe in school choice? His platform was that he was going to come in and prevent the Virginia public schools from teaching critical race theory, which they don't, in fact, do. So that, that's what at least that's what he campaigned. on. OK, that has nothing that that has almost nothing to do with education. Right. Like. Right. OK. OK. Right. I mean, this is the same guy. So here's what happened. I mean, let me just pull back the curtain a little bit here, a little bit more, um, more to talk about here. So part so of the kimono. Yeah. So McAuliffe has been a governor previously, right? So Virginia, you can't have consecutive terms. So you you get one term, and then if you want to run again later after the next governor, then you can do that. So he was governor previously, and he vetoed a bill which um, was sent to his office by the legislature in Virginia, which would have um, allowed parents to opt out of um, certain education for their children, specifically like books they didn't agree with. I think I talked about yeah. this before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he even, so Youngkin even used a, a parent in one of his ads, his attack ads against McAuliffe, uh, who talked about how her kid was traumatized by reading this book and he couldn't sleep and all this stuff. And essentially the book was about sort of the roots of slavery in Virginia. Right. And, and sort of, you know, Oh, so it bothered him to learn something horrific about our country's past. Correct. That's, I mean, Correct. I remember feeling that way too. Like, right, but that's part like you yeah, need to learn that. Right, like, it's, it, of course, it Big, should take you. a minute. You didn't do this, and nobody you know did this, but right. know this. Right, like okay, right. that's totally uh, reasonable. Totally reasonable. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, McAuliffe kind of gaffed a little bit because he, the way he presented it when he was asked about it, was like, "Look, I don't think parents should get to choose what their what their kids learn in school." And if you just take that at face great value, soundbite. it's like just a fantastic yeah. soundbite. Right. So, so, I mean, Youngkin definitely took that and ran with that, ran with that ball, uh, and sort of attached it to this whole critical race theory nonsense, which is just doesn't exist. Uh, and I honestly, I think that's why he was winning by 200,000 votes here. I don't have the audio of it, but I saw Bill Maher on his show was talking about how, you know, critical race theory means you're doing experiments in the classroom where you're teaching kids by calling one group, the oppressor and the other ones, the victims, um, I'm sure that's happened, like probably where you live, but like, <laughs> does, is that by and large happening? No. Okay. No. I mean, so we've avoided talking about CRT on the yeah. show for a while. Cause I just, I it, don't, it, it's used to... to hijack emotions. And if we wanted to be the number exactly. one podcast, we could play all those tricks. Like we don't want to <laughs> sure. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so CRT came out of uh, s- sort of studies in places like Harvard and, uh, places like that where they were trying to figure out why equality of of access wasn't in, equating with the quality of outcome and so they're trying to figure out why if people are given these opportunities that are equal to other people then why are the outcomes not the same 
Um, and what they determined was, well, clearly there's be something else at play here, right? And so that's where things like systemic racism, et cetera, came from. And this all happened like back in the 80s and 90s. It's just sort of been re, rebranded and, and the, the I mean, the problem is that instigates so so there is the emotional response that comes from that sure. which we've talked about and then there is the intelligence res- intelligent response to that which i mean i don't want to be the bad guy here but let me at least portray the intelligent response to that sure the trouble like it's great to point out things like structural racism like you're mm-hmm. if you are pointing out things that happen that nobody is trying to do that are like the result of the way certain power structures have lent to like you know absent-minded thinking causing life to be harder for a different race than another totally worth like saying is legitimate what 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 turns off you know honestly people like me is the issue so when people say things like it's a marx it's a marxist theory it's marxism right what they're trying to say is that critical race theory exists within a conversation about dialectics and i in general refuse the concepts of dialectics or dialectical thinking because it only puts two nodes with two opposing poles so there's the oppressor and the and the what the subject it's not the right word oppressive oppressive yeah. yeah and and it it doesn't allow but like that same like wing well, of thinking also talks about intersectionality but you have to stop thinking about intersectionality for a moment and say no blacks are treated this way by whites not you know certain um uh, wealth demographics or any other number of, of reasons, you know, well, and, gay, and straight, on, things like that. And it, there's more than just two two nodes, and that's what's frustrating right. to... Well, and on top of that platform, you get things built that are identity politics, where, mm-hmm. you know, right. it's because of this whatever particular class I'm in, and, and there's a subclass, and there's this subclass, and that subclass, which makes me a superhero, right? And that that's all, you know, I understand why people are against that and annoyed by it. I I often but there's only like Uh, a hair between that and the way like trump hijacks you know people and saying it's nuanced though yeah it's very nuanced. it is it is like these are complicated things to discuss it's not something you can slap on a fucking bumper sticker but but the last thing you should be doing is saying like oh i don't want that brought up in school because there are things from it to be talked about and like and, and the problem is anytime you say anything that's adjacent to it people just say oh that's critical race theory throw it out right. you can't even like it's too toxic to even consider and then there's no progress well and the, i mean this guy exhibit a you know in this yep. this video yep. he's like i you know i just i don't like it well what do you know about it i don't know yeah. that much i just no, know totally i don't right. like it yep. it's just a visceral reaction you know without actually you know trying to identify what this thing no, is you're totally right uh but it's it's a very useful political like ploy, obviously, it's, it's working, and it, I mean, the, I, it worked for Trump. It's working for Youngkin today. Uh, on other, can we move to another election? Yes, let's. So let's. in in Austin, they're having a vote about uh, some police reforms. So, uh, Minneapolis is having police reforms too. That one's getting a lot of attention because they're voting to uh, rebrand the police department. Um, however. The one in Austin, I wasn't even aware of. So listener Max, who lives in Austin, he's come on to talk about college football before we stop talking about sports here. He sent in this voice <laughs> message kind of recapping what the bill is. In his opinion, everybody in Austin is going to lose their shit because this is probably going to get passed. Prop A, in a nutshell, is a funded police amendment for police number of officers. So it establishes a minimum police staffing, at least two officers for every 1,000 residents in Austin. 
There's additional 40 hours of police training each year on topics such as active shooter, blah, 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 all that crazy stuff. And then the final one is provided with compensation for anybody that can speak bilingual. Obviously, they're looking for non-English police officers. Uh, back in 2019, as you will not know, but majority of people will know. What? Uh, there was. What's that mean, Max? <laughs> I believe it was on top of my head. I think it was like 150. Yeah, it was 150 million dollars that was cut from their uh, police department in 2019. This prop would cost about 54 million per year, um, which is about 4.5 of the you know, about 1.2%, I would say, of the 4.5 of the budget uh, for the city. So right now they have like 1,800 uh, police officers on staff. They've mm. lost like 200 or 400 jobs in the last couple of years. I don't remember which number that was, but um, they, they, they expect it to cost them the, the additional hiring they'll have to do to meet that like staffing quota. Uh, of two per thousand is going to cost them like between 250 million to like 500 million over the next five years. Hmm. I I don't, it's just weird because I think what he thinks people are going to lose their shit over is like, you know, defund the police getting, you know, staffing reasons to, to increase budget. And it's what 5% of the budget, something like that. Right. I mean, so two cops per thousand is the goal. Do we know what it is now? Is it like it's one less than thousand? that? Yeah, because it's yeah. like eighteen hundred. I'm there. Yeah, I think there's less than that. Two cops per thousand seems like a lot of cops, doesn't it? That's a lot of cops. I'm I mean, they're to gonna th- have to do something. So like, like, you can't just have them standing around. Otherwise, their boss is going to come by. You got time to lean. You got time to clean. By cleaning, right? I mean, harass black people. <laughs> you can go write some tickets somewhere. And this um, is the city that banned uh, homelessness with their camping ban last May. Austin's interesting. <laughs> Definitely interesting politically. Uh, the the thing in Minneapolis is pretty interesting, too. I think so. The whole like defund the police as a, a moniker is sort of like people don't want to use that anymore because it's kind of doesn't test well i guess um so they're trying to talk about it in a different way of sort of we're going to create this um this public safety um institution which is not the police but includes police Mm -hmm. Uh, so i I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there um particularly obviously with what's you know the political turmoil that they have dealt with over the last year and a Mm -hmm. half after the george floyd um murder i'm interested to see what that looks like if, if it does indeed pass i have the feeling it's not gonna pass it yeah I, I i think last thing i read is it's pretty close it could go either wow. way so wow. we'll see um speaking of violence when we had buzz on one of the things we focused a lot on was uh his his reporting because he's kept on top of it uh and and the january 6 hearings this i thought was worth playing the some threats that j6 um this is a threats that elect, election officials had received after January 6th. The 100 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump are coming for our country like a freight train. You guys should be very nervous. You're not welcome in Arizona, you I really sincerely hope you get what's coming to you, you fraudulent Hey, Katie Hobbs, you f***ing election stealing let me tell you something, Rob Pitts. I saw what you did. Katie, you better quit getting in the way of this audit. I mean, these people were just so brainwashed by. I, I... They sound like uh, 
internet trolls in the comment section on Facebook, and but they just found a phone and did it. That's exactly what it instead. sounds like. Yeah, you, you know what? The Cenex will say that that's all fake. Uh, and when I thought that, because apparently I'm a cynic, um, it reminded me that first clip with the guy being interviewed about CRT. Did, you, did yeah. your radar go off a little bit? Do you think that whole thing could have been a, the, the, they were both actors? Because he's no, wearing no, he's wearing the so. uniform. He's dressed. Whatever you're thinking, that's how he's dressed. Like I promise yeah. you, members only jacket. Yeah, exactly. Or like a bomber jacket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He definitely is a uh, central casting but... shirt tucked into his jeans. <laughs> but no, I. I I've, I've think I've encountered people similar to him in real life, so it doesn't surprise me at all. It, yeah, yeah. Um, I typed "don't wrong" damn computer there. I fixed it. Okay, I told you not to listen to this one, but I think you've probably seen the news already on it. Um, I'm I'm aware of it. You're aware of this. <laughs> I didn't listen next to it. Story. But I'm aware okay, of it. I haven't heard it. So. so have so it's the chant that's been making its way around the country. We brought it up on here. It's taken a break on this show for a couple of weeks, mostly because I don't want to be known for sharing this. But like, I, I got to say, we were early on with talking about the Let's we Go Brandon. Were. Yeah. Um, so if you're new to the show, there was a guy at Talladega who won um, one of the races and he was being interviewed and the ch- crowd was chanting F Joe Biden. Um, the reporter, in my opinion, was swept up in the moment and couldn't really hear them. And mm-hmm. since she was talking to a guy named Brandon, she was like, oh, listen to the crowd. They're saying, let's go, br- uh, Brandon. Brandon. So yeah, it became... I, I agree. I don't think she was aware. No. So it became yeah. code for saying F Joe Biden. So um, so it's it, there's been countless examples of it. But However, one of the ones that came up over this weekend was on October 29th, a Southwest pilot said the following over the intercom. Because he filmed it and posted it, it's a it's a TikTok video of him, the pilot, doing this. East about uh, seven or eight miles an hour. Good visibility, mostly clear skies, seventy-seven degrees. Thanks for coming out, flying the Southwest Airlines. Welcome aboard. Remember, let's go for So it was a little mumbly, but yeah, I couldn't even hear it at the end. Well, I mean, he clearly said, "Let's go, Braves." I. I mean, I, I heard Elizabeth. I didn't really hear well, him say Brandon, but I, I'm aware that's what he was supposed to. Have said. I, what if he was saying "Let's go Braves"? I, I don't Do you know what so. happened on October 29th? Did the Braves win? It was the first game of the World Series, or it was the second game. Wait, is this? Is this? I'm a- not lying. They played that night. Okay. I think everybody's is, is this a dumb. conspiracy theory. Atlanta didn't ever burn. Atlanta was a false flag operation, and Abraham Lincoln was a crisis actor. I th- I I think it's worth considering, <laughs> but wouldn't he have said that? Like he's, he's he hasn't been that. identified. They've j- okay. So here's what happened. So um so these pilots are feeling bolder and bolder after winning their vaccine <laughs> mandate battle. That's what, first of all. So uh, right. f- from an article, the incident occurred over the weekend when Long uh the Long who's Long oh when a reporter named Long was one of the many passengers on the October 29th right. Southwest flight. What happened? No, I just said right. Oh, okay. On the October 29th Southwest flight from Houston to Albuquerque, reportedly the pilot, who hasn't been publicly identified, signed off his announcement with the phrase, let's go, Brandon, to audible gas from some passengers. Immediately, the AP reporter, that's who Long is, sprung into action. She asked the cabin crew to unlock the cockpit so she could interview the pilot, but was denied. She claims the request nearly ended with her being ejected from the flight. I... That... Dude, I'm just saying it's worth considering. He said, let's go, Braves. 
I'm sh- it's worth considering. This is like also, backmasking when they prime you and then you hear it. You're like, he clearly says we worship right, Satan. Right, right. Yeah. Also, a bit ambitious of the reporter to like try and oh, get them right? to unlock the yeah <laughs> open this door a locked fucking cabin door on a plane have yeah. you not been on a plane since 9 11 <laughs> like come on no you don't understand he said he said the thing that we've all said about the last guy for four years but he said it in secret code which really bothers me to be fair i've heard a lot of people make the claim that i just made that's like gosh liberals can't hang like you know they said fuck donald trump for four years we can't say it publicly everywhere we fucking go on the television like nobody was doing that nobody was on cnn and be like and before i leave fuck donald trump thank you i'm (laughs) sure you'll be able to send me a clip or two it was four years but like Uh, i don't think so and by the way i'll raise my hand over here like liberal that thinks it's funny (laughs) let's go brand it is funny (laughs) because it's subversive right like it's like yeah Okay. It's funny. And it's funny because they're not saying it. And then that thing happens in your brain. It's like um, a good rap lyric that has like a hook or a, a punchline in it where you're like, yeah. I was vibing. And then you said something that made me think about something else. Like you got me. Right. That's like the basics of like all joke. It's the benign violation. It's a benign violation. Nobody really got hurt. You, you reference to a bad thing and then nobody really got hurt. It, right. it stops being funny once you start thinking of consequences of like the entire country tanning it. And I look like an ass for putting it on the fucking podcast, but sure. Yeah. It did sure. stop being funny. NPR got a hold of it and explained it. They're like, nobody's cheering on somebody named Brandon. It's well, when NPR has to explain it, clearly it hasn't, it's, it's not, not cool funny anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's... talking about the boogaloo now. It's like, oh, okay, never mind. I'm, I'm not a capital stormer. <laughs> I just know the lingo. <laughs> Um, you know, so a lot of people are upset with Biden, apparently. Mm. Mm, glad we don't count apparently. Well, um, <laughs> I think he must be aware of that. And he decided to apologize. For? I guess I shouldn't apologize, but I do apologize for the fact the United States uh, in the last administration pulled out of the Paris Accords and put us sort of behind the eight ball a little bit. I'm sorry to remind you that the planet's melting. Mm. Well, yeah, he I was mean, in Europe talking to some people. Wait, he was in Glasgow. Is that Europe? They left the EU. Wait, Scotland's still in the EU? Fuck, I don't remember. I think Scotland's part of the UK, isn't okay. it? Okay. I, don't, I uh, don't put a gun to my head. I don't know. I mean, so <laughs> that that clip with him apologizing sort of seems strange if you take it out of context just because, like, why is he apologizing for something he didn't do? Um, however, he's speaking at the climate change conference in Scotland and he's speaking to the international community when he says that. And he's he is representing our country. Uh, so he's saying, look, I'm going to apologize for what the U.S. did here in just walking away from everything that we had agreed to in, in Paris. So I I think it made sense for him to do that. And I, I'm, I'm actually happy oh. that he did. Oh, I would second that. So the, I yeah. think that I think it's also because of it's not what he said. It's it's the act. Um, mm-hmm. I think the tone of doing that. Or the act of doing that sets the tone. So what I mean by that is, with the last president, he went in there and acted like whatever he says, like completely cuts off the, and reverses a commitment that the United States made. Right. Like first of all, the ego. But second <laughs> right. of all, I mean, you're the president, so the ego. But um, mm-hmm. so I think the tone of Biden saying this is to come across as we are a continuation of the same country and I have to apologize for what we just did, but it's a recognition and a reminder that we have to carry on with our commitments. And by saying we and me apologizing, I I think it, I, I like the messaging of it. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree 100%. Uh, I don't know why I don't think it's appropriate, but I had a flash of simulation simulacra there, though, because it's kind of like, does this really represent what it used to? But probably not. Um, there, there's, symbol, there's symbolism there, right? And when I started thinking yeah. about symbolism, I'm like, oh, well, watch out. Um, <laughs> can you make sense of what I just said? Well, when you... When I hate you to give see, you such a task. I know. <laughs> okay. Like, when you see the symbolism, then, that, then it subverts reality or it becomes unreal like it's not when things not... are are unreal it's because they're masked by symbolism so when you see too much symbolism it's a good it's reminder hiding what's yeah really there. because like if you go to like early civilizations it was just elite groups that said like well you need to worship us by giving us authority and our way of doing that is having all the gold and sending putting up like sculptures and things to represent us you know that's how those things start and that's it's still part of our brain. Sacrificing um, your children, you know, whatever it takes. The, yeah, the huge. Yeah. Um, oh, man, thank God. Wow, we're almost at the end of this. Don't say it like that. Um, <laughs> so I have two. So I, if I can, I don't think it'll be hard to do. But if I can, I want, remember on the Daily Show, they had the moment of Zen? Yes. I want to end our show, um, or the last audio clip will be a moment of cringe. I like it. So I have two moment of cringe to choose from this week. Um, it's kind of tough to just, you know, it's just, it's like kids, Alan can't, how can you have can't a favorite? Pick. Yeah. <laughs> so are we going to pick one or are we going to play them both? No, I'm going to play them both. So this yeah. is, um, the former national security advisor, I believe Mike Flynn, was he national security advisor? Yes. Uh, yeah. So real human being, um, just amazing to remember that. It's really nice. Big brain on that dude. Yeah. Clearly. He was a general, like, you know. It, it's amazing. So uh, he's gone on to be completely batshit crazy just in public now, which is right. weird because like you think, well, yeah, Trump probably doesn't want anybody taking the best at anything away from him. And Trump was the best at that administration at saying batshit crazy things. This is true. All right, here he is. Fauciism. Fauciism is a, is a component of the health uh, side of, fa of fascism and Nazism. And it really does have to do with eugenics and Fauci. Fauci, Dr. Fauci would be right in right in there in the same room with people like Dr. Mengele and Dr. Zell, who worked for the Nazis at the time of uh, of, of Hitler's all of Hitler's experimentation on human beings. Not just Fauci. Fuck you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I just I, I just kind of shake my head at that statement and just like what what the the health side of of. I, I know. And Godwin's law makes a second appearance on the podcast where, you know, any conversation over enough time period eventually brings up Hitler. Uh, and something tell, Nazis, something tells me that right. happens really fast with this guy. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Fauci. Uh, he can't even say Fauci. Right? Uh, that's not by accident. So he's trying to attach the way Fauci fascism is spelled with to... fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Not the same, yeah. by the way. How do you spell Fauci? Isn't it like. Is it... F-A-U-C-C-I. Okay. And fascism is still an S and a C together, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's how you get that sound. Not whatever he. I bet he says what wrong. He puts the H in front of what. No, that's a Southern thing. I don't want to give him that credit. How does he say Juan though? Oh, what were you saying? The Mexican name? <laughs> no, Juan. Like you know. But now you said the number one. Oh. Okay. Well, which? Re okay, I can't. So as mentioned before, I had watched some of Bill Maher recently, uh, and he had. Do you remember Sean Spicer? Yeah. He was like the press, press secretary, secretary for Trump. Yeah. For a little while. Yeah. Not very long. No, but he was uh, before I heart Huckabee. 
Right. It was only like what, it was not even a month. I don't think. No, was it? it was longer than that. No, was it, it? Was okay. That. Yeah, it might have been almost a year actually. He okay. he was there long enough to be a Saturday Night Live uh, impression. Character. Yeah. Right. Um, so he was on Bill Maher, and I just want to say, um, if I ever get behind some kind of a movement that mm-hmm. requires me to sound like this in order to just set up the facts that I think you should be able to believe, just talk to me in private, man. <laughs> this it. was looked at by people from both parties, and they that people have come down on the idea that Trump lost this election, and you won't say it. And if you, no, no, you're no, either part of is, the big lie, if you, or you're, there is not, it's, or you're it, part on, of the it. conspiracy. It is not a big lie. The Wisconsin you're State just, Audit Committee just released a report. I have it here. You're for just one afraid. That's not, you're afraid of Trump. I'm not Trump. afraid of anything, Bill. You're afraid of Trump. <laughs> no. You're afraid of being I'm on not afraid yes, of Trump. I, you're afraid of being... Time out. You okay. said, I've not seen, I have not, then again, I wasn't on the campaign, I did not see evidence of widespread fraud. Have what I did say, and what I'm telling you is, is that in certain states where they sent out ballots that were not requested okay. in violation of a law, that should concern everybody. But he still lost the election. Okay. Okay, So now. worry about Biden. Okay, so he did lose the election, Trump. Biden's president. Can't say it. He won't say it. He can't, like, he just physically cannot say that you, Trump lost the election. Did it you just, hear how, how high-pitched his voice went? How he couldn't just, like, sit there still and, like, communicate right. his point? This was the guy hired by the president to communicate his ideas and field questions. This is true. I mean, he was, that was his can whole I, job. Can I say something that he tried to say very calmly? And this is sure. from, from me. I don't do yeah. that very well. Okay. Um, <laughs> in California, they mailed my brother in Arizona who has been registered for six years in Arizona, a California ballot, a mail-in ballot, the whole thing. Not the request mm-hmm. for it, the ballot. Right. And this happened. Yeah. We were now, aware this happened. Now, yes. granted, what's that going to do? Make California blue? No. Like, if anything, that might undermine... California might not want to do that because the guys that moved to Arizona <laughs> probably got there to get away from you, but um, <laughs> I actually hadn't connected that dot until I said those words, but... Um, yeah, that would have been something worthwhile to say. And if you could come up with a scheme where that could affect the outcome of the election, that's been rolling in my mind ever since then. I, it's there, there is, but nobody talks about that. You know, they talk about bamboo fibers and, you know, and, and, and that tells you that they don't see anything anywhere else, right? Like we both listened to that podcast about, um, the origins of the virus by lawfare blog. Did you listen to that one? Yes. One of the best points in that was, look, I totally see why the lab leak makes sense. In fact, I can I can totally buy onto it. Here's the biggest reason why that might be plausible. China, when this, uh, or sorry, this is the biggest case against that being plausible. China, when this happened, was as caught off guard as anyone else. And if their government was in charge of that virus and that leak, they would have known. The counter right. to that, though, is just like we learned in Chernobyl, people don't communicate in that kind of structure. So, you know, it could have been stuff where people didn't want to admit to it. And that's just as much evidence for it being a lab leak, too. But I, Right. I, well, there were local officials who, who didn't report up uh, because they were afraid of the consequences. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that podcast actually did a really good job of, like, how, how get us steel here? manning the argument, you know? Yeah, it really did. How did it get us here, though? I was comparing that to this. Well, in that he's not able to do that. Like, he's – so he's – hanging on to some fantasy where Trump won the election as opposed to just trying to say, look, there were some there were some things that happened that were kind of weird and maybe we should look at that. Uh, but clearly 
uh, Trump still lost the election and any of these anomalies were not significant enough to, to change that fact. Uh, but I still think it's important that we pay attention to these things. Like that would have been the reasonable thing to say. Right? <laughs> again, 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 he was paid right. to communicate the president's ideas <laughs> and field questions. You just took a question from a dum dum and <laughs> sounded better than him as the response. Like I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't get I, it, man. How do these people with power exist in the positions they're in? It's a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> the simulation, man, yeah, is cracking. Yeah. Well, no, I, I guess uh, so. To answer that question more like strenuously is uh-huh. just like. People in the right place at the right time, you know, people with the yeah, right degrees sure. and the right, the right donations and the right donations, you know, that, just like DeJoy. I was just going to say that. that's how DeJoy is the postmaster. Love man. You, like, man. That's why we do a show. <laughs> right. Uh, do you want to get out of here on a quote? Yes. Les. OK, so I thought this quote was very appropriate considering we had a newsman on. Mm, indeed. Uh, do you want to read it or can I uh, go for it? OK, yeah. uh, I'll probably that's a good that's a good desk pound, right? That's good. Can you hear it? I can hear it. Okay, all right. Never forget, the press is the enemy. The establishment is the enemy. The professors are the enemy. The professors are the enemy. Write that on a blackboard 100 times and never forget it. I didn't expect you to do an impression. It wasn't a good impression of Richard (laughs) Milhouse. It was pretty good. I I bought it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, listen to that guy. Yeah, so, you know, just let that source invert the message, and I think you can do that on your own. Uh, oh, thank God we were recording. Okay. Uh, Alan, see you next. Well, uh, talk to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Let's talk tomorrow. All right, I'll talk to that you was tomorrow. fun. That was fun. Cheers. Cheers. I'm pooping right now. Is Kevin McCarthy a moron? And if so, why? I come without explanations or solutions. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. Read the news. Now, this is podcasting.